Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I have a friend and colleague of mine, Danielle Wiley. She is the founder and CEO of Sway Group, who you will learn a little about in just a moment. But I want to let you know how Danielle and I got to know one another. I belong to Vistage International, which is a coaching group for CEOs and executives. And I've been a member for over seven years. And Danielle joined the group. And I vividly remember, Danielle, the day that you first joined and went around uh, the room and introduced what we all do. And we got to you and you said, I run an agency called Sway Group and we do influencer marketing. And I had that like RCA dog look that I sometimes talk about where my head turned to the right. And I'm like, what is that? And that was several years ago. So welcome to the program. So great to have you. And I'm very excited to bring influencer marketing, which is really traditionally rooted in B2C to my audience, which is primarily B2B. So thank you for joining me. I'm excited. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I've been waiting for this invitation, Dave, for for four years now. Four years now. And finally, here it is. Cool. Well, share the background. Um, you know, your background, I know you come from PR. It'd be great to sh- talk about that. But how did the agency get started? How did Sway Group get started? And what was the impetus for that? And a little bit about, let's give some context to influencer marketing, even if it's from a B2C perspective, because the really the goal today for everybody listening, most of you are in B2B marketing. And every one of us, every year, is struggling to generate more awareness and more demand for our products and services And as you look for that shiny new toy or next new channel, influencer marketing could be the thing for you in in 2020. And so what's the backstory? How did did Sway Group come to be? Yeah, um, actually, our backstory is kind of a good... Uh, jumping off point for explaining influencer marketing in general. So my background is in all things interactive. I've done everything from copywriting on websites to information architecture, account management. Um, Just before starting Sway, I spent about six years running digital strategy uh, for Edelman's Chicago office. Edelman's a global PR agency, for those who don't know. And uh, pretty much right from the beginning of my time there, we We're using bloggers as part of our programs. Back then, the word influencer wasn't really a thing because everything was just on blogs. So there was no need to make it more broad than it actually was. Um, And so we started bringing bloggers into the PR programs that we were doing. So, for example, uh, we did a lot of work for Butterball and their turkey talk line. And one of the first big blogger programs I did was bringing three mom bloggers to be honorary members of the turkey talk line. So they got to come up to Chicago and meet with all the old ladies who were running the talk line and get a crash course on how to make a Thanksgiving turkey. And then they were answering answering questions about cooking that Thanksgiving turkey on Twitter, um, answering emails, doing all the social media pieces of it that the little old ladies running the talk line 
couldn't handle. And the the feeling was, is that, you know, society was changing people. Millennials weren't about to pick up a phone and dial 1-800-TURKEY or whatever the number was. Yeah. They wanted to ask their question on Twitter or an email. They don't pick up the phone. Um, and so that was kind of the start of what we were doing. And uh, what we kind of noticed is sometimes influencer marketing was really easy. Like we would have a product that we wanted to share and we would send boxes of it out to various bloggers and they'd be excited to get it and they'd write about it and share it with their readers. Um, but it started changing and getting a little bit more complicated because I think what we started to realize is that influencers weren't really journalists. No one was paying them to spend their time sorting through different products, receive samples, figure out what to write about, write it up. Uh, they were working for themselves and they really were more like spokespeople. So we started adjusting with that and paying these bloggers to be part of our program. And, and Butterball was one of the first ones of those. Um, but the program started getting bigger and bigger. And there were times that we would do programs with our clients where we would have 10 to 15 influencers working on a program. And one of the things that I realized was it was very, very complicated. And my team was just spending hours and hours and spinning their wheels trying to pull these programs together, um, whether it was trying to find the right influencers for that campaign, um, negotiating separate contracts with every single one of those influencers. There was just a lot of work to be done. And so that's kind of where Sway Group came from. I just thought to myself, you know, I just want to pick up the phone and call someone and say, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's my budget, make it happen and hang up the phone and know it's going to get done. Um, and there was no one out there who could do that for me. And so that's where Sway Group came about. Cool. In reality, influencer marketing in B2B has been around for a long time. And and let's reference that from your experience at Edelman. Um, but those influencers have been called people like Gartner and Forrester and other analyst firms, right? Us in B2B, mm -hmm. especially those growing up in tech, we would meet with those analysts and explain our products and services and hope that they would write about us and, and feature. I'll come back to hope, by the way. Um, they, they would hope that they would write about and feature us and then put us in their upper right quadrant and, and say that, you know, we are, we are the best of breed technology or application or company in this space, right? That's been around for a long time. And I say hope right. because we all know that you can pay those analyst companies to cover you. And it just so happens that very often when you are a client of theirs through the investment, you get a more favorable perception. Now, I, I think a lot of people would say that that's because um, you have a more intimate relationship with the analyst. They're more invested in covering you. But hey, I'll just let that speak for itself. Influencer marketing is not that much different when you're talking about thought leaders or people who have a tremendous following and you're paying those people and informing them, but it's certainly you, especially the agency, uh, have done a lot more than just reaching out to those people and getting them to cover your masters and helping them architect the story and, and present the, the product. So um, do you see a correlation between that, that history and, and B2B analyst coverage and finding influencers in, in B2B and getting them to tell the story? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think it's probably a bit more analogous to to customer testimonials. Um, the the analyst piece feels a little bit more analogous to like a, a journalist relationship, mm -hmm. really. Um, except when you get into that paid piece of it. Now, I mean, there's there's influencer. I don't really call it influencer marketing, but there's a piece of influencer where you do just um, kind of 
share your information and hope for for coverage, which is kind of like what I was talking about was the birth of influencer back when I first started working on it. But where we where we really the space that we really play in is in paying those influencers to cover things. And what we have found is that when you have that money changing hands, you can be a lot more prescriptive about um, what you need covered. And this is not to say that we're writing the messages for the influencers. The best influencer marketing is when it's told in the voice of the influencer and and truly is authentic. For sure. But if if you're paying someone, you can make sure that they're disclosing. FTC disclosure is so important. You can make sure that they're including the type, you know, three photos instead of two because that's really important to you. You can make sure that um, if, you know, if a journalist covers you and they get a link wrong, let's say, in in their online article, you can ask them to change it, but you can't really require them to change it. It, It's it's a favor. Um, With an influencer, if you're paying them, you can make sure that everything is done correctly. And what we have found with our I, mean, I don't know, your clients may be easier. I doubt it. <laughs> but what we have found with our clients is that um, they're just, they're, they're too type A to rely on hope and wishes. Like we have to be able to make sure that things are done the right way. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the influencer aspect from the client voice. Uh, I have experienced that and witnessed it firsthand countless times. We're coming up on our 13th year as an agency. And in the very beginning, uh, and still to this day, there's lots of conferences in our industry, lots of marketing conferences. I was just at one earlier this week. And when our clients are up on stage, whether it's a serious decisions conference or the B2B Game Changers or B2B MX, these are all these B2B um, practitioner conferences that take place uh, every year, even the big ones, the sales forces and such. When our clients are on stage and they're telling a story about their journey, maybe it's a lead management initiative or an ABM initiative or um, other aspects of, of what they're doing in digital marketing and transformation, they often will at a certain point talk about how they got there and they'll give a shout out to DemandGen and say, hey, for those of you who don't know DemandGen, uh, we work with Dave and his team. You know, If I'm there in the audience, they'll, they'll call me out by name or they'll reference us as part of their their team and their, and their ecosystem of, of success. After that, my email, uh, people reach out to me at the conference directly and say, hey, I saw so-and-so on stage. They, they reference you guys. We're looking for help. We want to do some of the things, same things that they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a major driver of business. And what you're doing is, is helping you know, companies um, well, well beyond that form, you know, doing it online, doing it, able to do it uh, 24-7. And you mentioned the customer uh, perspective of that testimonials and such. So let's let's dig into that a little bit more in terms of how B two B companies could approach getting the voice of their customer to tell the story and amplify for them about their use and adoption of their their products and services. So how to, how would you go about that if if someone was saying, okay, yeah, I do testimonials today. I've written some case studies. How can they level up and take what they're doing from a customer perspective and and get them to be stronger influencers for them? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the most exciting things to me. I, you know, early in my career, I did mostly B2B work. And so um, even though influencer has traditionally been B2C, I've always been kind of waiting for B2B to become more of a reality because I have so much background in it. And it's been frustrating to me that it was difficult to do and that there were so few true B2B influencers. And so many of them, you know, we were joking earlier, I call them like the social media (laughs) douchebags. who we all know who are out there 
talking about these topics and they're they're very expensive and they're just not that many out there. And so I, I feel like a lot of B2B marketers were feeling kind of hamstrung and like it was it was very there was a really high point of entry to influencer marketing. But um, what's been really exciting to me in the last year and a half, two years is how uh, the platforms have changed and technology has changed so that you no longer need to rely on someone having a huge audience in order to have effective influencer marketing. So um, just to give you an example of this and kind of explain it further, you know, back in the old days, four years ago or so, you'd have to, if you wanted to, yeah, if you wanted to do influencer marketing, you'd have to find someone who has a significant audience and you engage with them, you work out whatever they're going to talk about, they talk about it. And that message gets in front of the audience, similar to what you're talking about at a conference, right? If someone mentions demand gen, that message is getting out to the people sitting in that room, like that's their audience. Now, you no longer need to rely on just someone's audience. We have to, all the influencer marketing that we do now is accompanied by paid and we call it boosting. So boosting is when you take a piece of content that's out there and using the ad manager from whatever platform it's on, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, you take that content and you're you're putting a boost behind it. You're putting paid behind it to get it in front of certain eyeballs, whether it's just all men between the ages of 30 and 54 living in the United States, whether it's a lookalike audience to your CRM database, whether it's, you know, builders living in the Midwest who love watching CSI, like you can put in whatever criteria you want to and get that content out there. So what we've seen now is you no longer have to pull in a customer or someone who has a story to tell who has their own great audience, you can pull in, pull in someone who has a great story to tell, help them to tell that story, and then take that content and put it out there all over the world. You, you basically are able to expand your audience tenfold, a hundredfold, whatever. Um, it's really all about having that great content. And then it's super easy to push it out there. Let's talk about that approach because I've also experienced firsthand, we have a, a, over the years, you know, large, large hundreds of, of clients that we've worked with and thousands of individuals. Sometimes those people don't feel like they are good storytellers. And so when our client engagement managers reach out to them and say, look, you just went through this great ABM initiative and you've started from here and now you're here, we should tell that story about what you did because others want that recipe you can sometimes just hear their hesitation either because of their persona or just that's not, it's interesting, marketing sometimes struggling struggles with marketing themselves. And so how do you mm-hmm. do that? So for, for your clients where maybe the customer isn't the best storyteller, how do you guys approach that to get that story and make it really interesting and engaging and you know take the elements of, of what they can share but not, um, not rely on them to, to package it up together? How do you do that? Yeah, there's lots of, I mean, that's what's kind of neat these days is that there's so many different media that you can use to tell a story. So it doesn't have to be someone who's amazingly telegenic getting on camera and being super dynamic and, you know, the best spokesperson ever. If someone, if you know that someone has had a great experience, you can interview them not on camera, um, just kind of paper and pen or recording it on your iPhone just to get 
some point data points and information and draw information out of them. And you can create influencer content that maybe is just their bio photo. And then you can tell their story, have a copywriter take what they said and turn it into something that's compelling. Um, if it is someone who can tell a great story, then by all means, use that video. Video ads work amazingly well online, as as most of us know. So um, it's certainly an option, but you don't have to rely on, on your customers being like ready-made influencers. You can kind of turn them into that by drawing information out of them, helping to craft that story. Um, it could be you could even do a video of them. I mean, depending on what the product or service is, you know, a B-roll video really of them sitting at work and doing what they do, and then have a voiceover or have text underneath. I mean, there's so many different ways to spin it. I think the point is that you know we have whether you're selling B to B or B to C, you're selling to a person, right. and whether that person is buying, you know toilet paper or a new marketing automation software, they're still a person and they want to read something that's interesting and exciting. So I think there's so much that B2B can learn from how B2C has done this. And and in, in terms of that storytelling and, and, and weaving topics in organically and making things interesting to read, like no matter what field of marketing you're in, that's compelling. Yeah. I love the point that you make about boosting, which is investing in getting the the reach that you need. Because unlike in B2C, where there are these influencers, right? There are these, there's these bloggers who have massive followings and and there's micro-influencers who don't have massive followings, but maybe they got 30, 40, 50,000 followers on Instagram or Twitter uh, and they can amplify uh, something. And so you're you're going to them because they already have an audience. But what you're saying in the B2B is, you know, first by start taking the approaches, get the content, you know, work with your clients to get their stories and then take those stories and package them up in videos or blog posts or other forms of content and then get it out. So get it out on social media and then in, invest in it to spike it, to, to make it either sponsored or promote it so that um, you not only get more reach, but as you talked about, reach the people that you want to because you can do so much in ad targeting these days that you don't just have to do a run of network. You can really get it right to the people that you want. I think it's great practical advice. And you can measure it, right? These are forms of marketing that are highly measurable. So you know the ROI of it too, which is something that we all struggle with. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're able to tell clicks, views, shares, saves, comments, likes. I mean, we get all of that data. So it's it's really exciting because you can you can do A-B testing. You can, you know, like, which is going to work better to sell my service? Is it a selfie or is it B-roll of someone working? Is it a product shot? Is it, I mean... You can you can test these things out the wazoo because you have so much data there. And I mean, I think a, another thing to point out is that even if you are using an influencer who does have tremendous reach, the way that the algorithms are set up now, things have changed on these platforms. You can't just rely on that anymore, even if someone does have a huge audience. Um the the platforms are set up they want to make money they want you to do this boosting and to throw ad dollars behind the content so um, very often content will be kind of throttled until you put that boosting behind it so it, you know it doesn't even matter anymore if someone has huge reach or not we're, we're putting boosting behind everything that makes sense 
Talk about the storytelling aspect, if you can, just some of the nuggets of, of what works best. Because I don't think people are, people can actually be human beings. They're natural storytellers, right? That's why there were drawings on cave walls and such. And I've certainly <laughs> gone out and talked a lot, Danielle, about neuromarketing and, and the hero's journey and how to use that in storytelling. And, and I talk about that in whether it's written content or video format. Um, how, do, how, do you, how do you tell a good story? What are some of the elements? Because you guys are experts in that, in that area of getting a product um, and the story behind it to create engagement. How, do you, how should someone approach it? Yeah, I mean, what what we tend to do is we provide all of our influencers with really detailed post instructions. So this has the nitty gritty of like, you know, here's the link that you have to use. Here is your tracking pixel. This needs to be up on, you know, next Tuesday at this time, all that stuff. But it also has what we call writing prompts. I mean, I guess what anyone would call writing prompts, um, where we're kind of helping to guide the influencers to tell a more interesting story. Story. So I'll just give a consumer example because that's um, what we do, certainly what we do the majority of. But like, for example, if we're selling like um, diapers, mm -hmm. we're not going to say like write a blog post in which you talk about all the great features of this diaper. No, no one wants to read that. It's boring, right? So what we're going to say is write a blog post, talk about like how wiggly your kid is at four months old and they're going all over the place and you're chasing them. And then somehow weave in the story of, you know, this diaper stays on. It doesn't leak even while the baby's crawling all around. But like tell a funny story about how, you know, you something funny that happened because your baby was suddenly mobile and crawling all over the place. So taking that, I mean, that's really the biggest kind of secret sauce we have with storytelling is spending some time brainstorming interesting ways to weave a product or service into something that actually is interesting. It's great advice. I, uh, so many companies and so many folks listening uh, have, as I said, these conferences, or they'll do webinars, or they will um, have people out doing public speaking. Uh, there was a whole bunch of them just earlier this week that I went to. And I don't think they partner enough with the host of the event to really work with them on those story points and talk points. My experience is it's, hey, if you're going to speak at this conference, uh, send me your abstract and come up with it. And maybe there's a little coaching, which is a review of the content. But in my experience, like there's not a lot of feedback on the content. And I think if we could take that same approach that you just suggested and prepare the speakers a bit more and help them with the story so that you mutually achieve the goals that you want. They can tell their story and their recipe for success, but that the host of the event or, or whoever's connected to their content really gets the story framed in such a way that the audience is engaged and takes away, yeah, I need to go down that path uh, as well. It's great advice, whether you're doing it at a live conference or blogging about it or making videos. Um, this podcast, by the way, Danielle is going to be around a podcast that I did with Tyler from Vidyard. And so we talked a lot about video in that podcast. And I mentioned on that podcast, a colleague and friend of mine, Carlos, who's a loyal listener to the podcast, and he uh, specializes in the mortgage industry on reverse mortgages, which have a, a very um, kind of soured uh, and interesting, um, let's just say not a good brand in terms of the type of mortgage. Right, right. But in the future where people don't have pensions and people don't have uh, retirement accounts uh, potentially to safeguard their retirement in their future, more and more, more, and more older uh, folks are looking at reverse mortgages. And so one of the things I've suggested to him is to start making some videos 
about that. And interestingly enough, your recipe as well is he doesn't have to be the one necessarily talking to why a reverse mortgage interview the people that have gone down that path and the benefits that it's provided to him. So he and I have talked about that very in, in line there. And I think you can also just, um, you know, you can't stop my mind from brainstorming, but yeah. like another interesting piece of it is think about all the different people who are impacted. Um, you made me think of it cause you were talking about older consumers are the ones who are going to need those reverse mortgages. But often when we do programs that are targeted to boomers, we'll pull in their um, their children, their caregivers to tell that side of the story too. And I think that's a really, it's, when you're looking at who uses a product or who uses a service, think about all the people who are impacted it, not just the one end user. There's often a really interesting story to be told um, from the perspective of someone who's not maybe the primary user, but who's touched by it in some way. When we talked, the reason that I wanted to have you on the program is because in my experience, so many B2B marketers create content and it's about their products and their services. And even though we hear constantly that, you know, make it a, make the audience the hero, make it about them. I don't think people do as good a job as they can as getting an influencer, getting a customer to tell the story for them. And I would say for your marketing mix next year, whether you're doing the boosting or social media or not, put a discipline in place in getting the stories from your clients uh, and really capturing those in a way that they're impactful. Um, your sales team, right? If your sales team is sharing slides or giving a presentation, a capabilities presentation, we all know that we should not open that presentation with here's our NASCAR logo slide of all the companies that we've done work with and here's our background and when we were founded, boring, 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 right? Why not mm -hmm. start with a story and, and you should always have those customer case studies that are relevant to the audience that you're presenting to. So start with a story. And it's like, hey, thank you for having me here today. I'd like to start with a story about Acme Corporation, who reminds me a lot of you. Uh, and when we met with them two years ago, and then tell where they were and tell the hero's journey and do that. And so if you capture the stories and teach your salespeople how to tell those stories, maybe it's your customer telling the story, and maybe it's, it's you uh, informing and training them. It can be done there. It can be done on social social media. What else? Since your brain, yes, your brain never turns off. You and I talk a lot about creative ideas. What other advice would you have for marketers that are maybe not as disciplined in influencer marketing or getting the voice of the customer? Any other ideas you have? Um, one of the, th I mean, you brought up conferences. One of the things that can be something that can be really successful is if you're already investing in having a booth and having a presence at a large conference to find out which of your customers are going to be there and invite them to come in and tell their story to you. I was at a conference in, in um, Brooklyn a few weeks ago, the Youth Marketing Summit, and um, we use a uh, metric software called Creator IQ to power a lot of the metrics that we provide. And it's basically the CRM for our influencer network. And they were going to be there. They knew I was going to be there. And they in invited me to come and speak to them and provide um, – I mean, they kind of positioned it as a case study. But it was a really interesting conversation. And I went and I sat down and they had a videographer there and they mic'd me up and we had a back and forth conversation about how I use the tool and how it's been helpful. I got to talk a little bit about some of our own personal case studies. I got to kind of pimp out Sway Group. So it was beneficial to me and I will be sure to share the video when it's complete because I got to share some 
stuff that, you know, I wanted to get out there. Um, but that's a great way. I mean, again, that's only going to work for someone who's comfortable on camera and comfortable doing that. But it's a nice way to get a bunch of content in one place without having to travel all over the country interviewing customers. It's it's a good way to consolidate and, and get started. I think it's great advice. I would bolt on to that. Try to make it a little bit more... Um less intimidating. So many of the times when I've gone to the conferences where they've asked me to, um, I've been a keynote speaker and they want me to say something about the conference that they might use for next year's marketing or whatever. They'll sit me down in a chair, the studio's there, like the lighting's there, the professional crew, they'll mic me up and there's so much production that it's a bit intimidating, I think, for the the, person who doesn't do that a lot. Um, to then say, okay, and ready, here you go. And they'll, they'll have a set of questions and ask, and it doesn't look as natural. So I would say, you know, worst case, do that and you'll get some really high quality video, but maybe better cases, make it a little bit more informal and personal, mm-hmm. maybe find a good cor- corner to be in and just with a handheld microphone or something, uh, video and, and microphone, just capture something that feels a bit more natural and then use a, a bunch of different environments because then way you put your, your role together for the next show or use this, it just seems like, hey, I was here at the such and such conference. It was really great. I love the keynote speakers. I'd encourage anyone who's interested in such and such topic to come next year. Boy, that was a really great keynote session. You know, that's it. That's all you really need. And you stitch a bunch of those together and you've got some really good video footage versus sitting down and someone having to take a half hour to record all this content. Sometimes that's the right format for sure. But I, I think we need to make it easier. Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, I, I think I think that's a great point because you know, where if you're, if you have experience being on camera and have done it a lot, you might not be intimidated by getting mic'd up and all of that. But, um, I think it's certainly the case for that, for people who are not as experienced that could add a whole level of intimidation and nervousness factor to the, to that. One of the things that we do here at Dimension, I love that our marketing team cranks out so much content, especially for a company of our size. And they have uh, some writers on the team. We use some contract writers to work with our team for our blog copy or for interviewing clients. And so to your point earlier, some of the services that you provide to your clients, we will have those folks listen in on a call and maybe they're writing a blog post and they'll, they'll capture the story and just talk to the writer who then writes it for them. Uh, or we do the interview with the client and, and the writer uh, to capture it. And just really easing the process and bringing someone in who's a natural storyteller to, to put it together. And then I think you can... Also, that also allows you to tweak that blog post and make it work harder. Like if if you're if you're relying on your customer to create that, they're not necessarily going to put in the SEO terms that you need in there. They're not going to you know, they're not going to know how to craft it in the right way. So not only are you bringing in a professional writer to make it interesting and help tell the story in a better way, but you can also be a little bit self-serving and, you know, use your tools to find out what keywords need to be in it, make sure that they're there and get that SEO boost while you're at it. That is a huge tip. Let me underscore that, (laughs) highlight it. Um, Case in point, I did a blog post recently on titled, what's the best ABM framework? 
And the reason the title of that blog is what it is, is because that's a highly searched on term and something that comes up to us a lot. So to your point, you the, the writer may not naturally know that's the best subject line to have. They may not know to put in in the titles of the blog posts and where there are all those key words. So there is huge value in just taking someone with that expertise and making sure that the content is packaged in such a way that it gets the most visibility uh, and is, is findable. That is a huge tip, Danielle, a, a great one. Um, I am so proud of you and and the team, uh, you know, as fellow entrepreneurs, every time that we're at Vistage together and we talk about building each other's businesses and whether that's the people side or the services side and growth, we learn so much uh, from each other. And I, even though we're two different agencies focused in somewhat different areas, more us on the marketing technology and methodologies and you on the content and demand generation, um, so, so much similar passions that we have. And I'm, I'm just proud of the, the work that you guys have done. And, and you're the, by the way, the first agency I think that I've ever had on the program. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I I'm need like a, a sash. First ever agency. First ever agency. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I like to promote the methods and technologies and, yeah. you know, I have to be cautious when I have an agency on the program that provides services because hey, I guess I'm a little bit of an influencer, right? At least I'm exposing you to an audience. I really encourage people to take some of the ideas ideas here and look at your 2020 plans and saying, how can we step up our game in terms of getting our customer stories, not just in the upper funnel for net new um, customers, but for the install base. I think a term you've, you learned from me, yes. uh, from, your, <laughs> from your customers. Uh, very cool. Well, hey, thank you for being on the program. I'll let you Thank wrap you. up your day. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you have taken the success that you're having in B2C influencer marketing and expanding your capabilities in, into B2B. And I'm, I'm sure some people are inspired today uh, with your tips and tricks. If you want to find Danielle, she's pretty easy to find uh, on LinkedIn, Danielle Wiley. She's the founder and CEO, like I said, of Sway Group. And it's swaygroup.com, S-W-A-Y group.com. She has, might not surprise you, tons of content on the website and their blog for more tips and tricks and ideas on how to up your influencer game. So thank you. Give my best to the team. Will do. Thanks so much. You bet. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please continue to review the program on iTunes, if you would, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. Hey, we're on the topic of influencers, so influencer some additional listeners. I'd appreciate it. Take care. been listening to demand gen radio bringing you the top industry experts thought leaders authors marketing technology firms and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high performance marketing 